Welcome back to Rhymes with Decora, a podcast project of Inspired Media. I'm your host, Benji Nichols, telling stories about uh, communities you love, by people you trust. Find it all at iloveinspired.com. We've got over 40 episodes of this show. You can find those on the website or at decora.fun. I uh, am so excited today. You're all in for a real treat. Uh, If you've seen the summer 2023 issue, this person might be familiar to you. They may be familiar to you in other ways, but I would like to welcome to the show today, Mr. Jeff Abbas. Jeff, thank you, you Benji. Thanks for having me. Right off the beginning here, I'd like to state that there's any resemblance between myself and the front cover of the summer issue (laughs) is purely (laughs) coincidental. I love it. I have to tell you that uh, I don't. You probably isn't any reason you know Sarah on, on that. Our other Sarah, not Sarah uh, Friedel Putnam, that wrote the article, uh, the profile on you. Uh, the artist, but our, our feature artist. Um, that's a whole other story, uh, you know. And it is ironic that uh, there's no no rec- Yeah, no, nope. No, I read her uh, little sidebar story there with great interest. She sounds fascinating. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, would be an amazing show to have as well. I'm going to have to see if she's willing to do that. Uh, the cover of the 2023 issue, Erin uh, and her did some work um, figuring out what they wanted to do, and there were three options, and they were, you know, kind of one is like a, a gnome and a boat and the river and something else, and then it was like, well, what about a gnome riding an eagle through a rainbow over the... And they were just like, well, why wouldn't we do that? <laughs> Boom, there it was. Roxy loved it. Um, the beard is always impressive, oh. I have to say. And helps. <laughs> Thank you. Um <laughs> I actually had it trimmed in March. I was doing a show down in uh, Cedar Rapids, and it just kind of got away from it. There are two things when you can do old, when you get old. You can grow whiskers, and well, I'll save the other one. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. Jeff, uh, thanks for taking time uh, to be here today. First, I also have to say it's really fun to have you here and on a microphone. Uh, I think the way that we originally met would have been through KPBL. It would have. I, yeah, we kind of figured that out, I think. Uh, mid late two thousands, somewhere in there. And, uh, we're going to dip into that history a little bit here in a minute, but, uh, I remember meeting you. One of the fun parts for me is that you do have an, uh, a background in broadcasting. You were on the air for years, uh, in multiple formats and multiple ways. Uh, and so you've got that, uh, that background right and it was and the voice it was a great job the (laughs) the voice is is a gift my english teacher um in high school took me to iowa state speech contest when i was in eighth grade so technically i wasn't eligible but i got a a one rating in radio broadcasting so fran came back i had the award but they actually took it from me because i wasn't eligible oh so i showed them (laughs) Absolutely. It's fascinating. Um, worth Okay, so worth mentioning, uh, we, we have some funny commonalities, too. We'll, we'll, some common things we'll, we'll run through as we get into here. But you were an Iowa native, right? You grew up in Iowa? I am. Bremer County, a little town called Denver. Denver, Iowa. And uh, like a few of us along the way, uh, found your way to leaving Iowa. <laughs> I did. Um, those of us who were those of us who can remember 1972, 71, 70, um, yeah. they were turbulent years. And I had a, wa- a lot of wanderlust when mm-hmm. I was in you know, my last two years in high school. All I wanted to do was be on the road and see things. So my goal when I graduated was to hitchhike around the country with no particular goal, but end up at a commune somewhere because that's what I wanted to do. It's awesome. But it didn't work out that way. I kind of ended up in the military and... Uh, 
different 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 type of commune. Yeah, authority, <laughs> and I just have never been close friends. And it Understood. Was, you know, it was a good experience, but that's what inspired me to stay in California. I found a job. Yeah. With a shipmate of mine who had gotten out before me. U.S. Navy, we should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, he was living in Lodi. Wow. And I just fell in love with the place. I was I was right there in the San Joaquin Valley with all that fresh produce, yeah. proximity to San Francisco, Lake Tahoe, and I I never went there for entertainment, just for <laughs> at any rate, there I was in the valley and, and, and all those things at my back and call, and then I discovered the foothills. Yeah. And the high Sierra. Oh man. Oh man. That was so it's, what years? It, what year would that have been? Or years um, would that, this is late seventies. Full time, about seventy seven. Oh yeah, yeah. great time. Seventy six, maybe. Wow. But it's like it struck a chord in me. I would see places, old ruins in the foothills, gold mining camps, and and individual stone farmsteads and things like that, old mines, and I would feel like I I had been there before. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. God, I love that area. I spent a lot of time. Even had a dream job for a while with, uh, while I was working radio in Stockton. I did some part-time work for UC Berkeley on their digital database. Oh my goodness! I was taking photographs of wildflowers oh. in the High Sierra. Oh. So I had this Sony Mavica, late '90s Sony Mavica that recorded <laughs> pictures to a floppy disk. Oh my god! So I'd be up with my backpack for three days worth of food and water. Wow. And 110 floppy disks. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's early, still available too. You can still see those days photos. Yeah. of digital photography. Yeah. <laughs> Very digital bits. Uh, that's amazing. Were you interested in photography before that? Yeah, I was. It's something I picked I mean, up uh, kind of in dabbling. the service and sure. you know, did on and off for the years. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, there are a few prompts along the way. This works into the latter part of this story when we yes, get into does, uh, yeah. rocks and a few other and things. But, uh, but uh, it's really cool. I, that's And it's what an interesting experience of, um, again, I, I talk about this a lot from my audio background. When you live through something from the very, very um, analog part of the world, and you work through the digital advent and now to where we're at now. And it's like, there's just, it's just different tools, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. Different but tools, you use them different ways. But. The convenience now is astounding yes. when compared, you know, Absolutely. 35 millimeter, you used to have to carry film yeah. and yeah. tripod and light meters and all that. Now you just push the A button on you your just, camera and pff, you there you go. go. That's amazing. Uh, we're in California in the late 1970s, uh, early 80s, Lodi, Central California, mm -hmm. that area, Stockton, you mentioned. Um, you were there. Uh, Sarah Friedel Putnam, who wrote the Community Builder feature on you, mentions a flip of a coin. Is that, uh, is that a true story? It is. It is very much. Um, I can relate to this. I was still working odd jobs at the time. I did a long time gig well two years or so in a foundry which i hated but it oh, was wow. good pay union job yeah and uh i was getting fed up with that so i'd been volunteering on saturdays at the local public radio station down in stockton on a folk and bluegrass show nice and that was a lot of fun so i came home one night and i, I told my wife said i'm gonna flip a coin i'm either going back to broadcasting school to finish that up or i'm going to culinary school so i flipped culinary school one I had a great time in culinary school, wow. and that was pretty intense, and 
got out and developed a catering business where myself and a partner did in-home catering for oh, yeah. larger groups. It was a lot of fun. But what happened was just after I got that started, then I got an offer from the public radio station I was volunteering at to work full-time as a classical oh, music producer yeah. and host. Yeah. So I flipped the coin for culinary school and ended up in radio. <laughs> That's life for you, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It <laughs> is hilarious. I uh, ironically went to school for audio work and the technical side of it and um, needed to get out for a minute when I finished and moved to California to bake bread. So <laughs> good place to do it. There's some there's some great ironies in the world. Um, Let me just add quickly that yeah. I did not waste that culinary education. I, well, I was <laughs> going to bring that up. From my understanding, you do have some skills. I'm telling you. We had some fine chicken on the barbecue last night. Honey bourbon barbecue. It nice. Yep. Uh, you are also a bit of a baker, if I understand. Yeah, my Sometimes, wife does yes. it more now than I do. But Fair enough. We had a lot of fun with it over the years with farmer's markets. and, and Yeah. Even Absolutely. a CSA we had for a while. Right? I'm, I'm, we're going to get to that because I think it's a great part of your story, right? Um, so those years through California, you were working at a public radio station uh, in Stockton, right? Uh, working full-time. You did that for several years, right? Yeah. You kind of yeah. lived through oh, that geez, almost, classical format. Almost right? 20. Yeah. And you were mostly in the classical world at that point? Yeah, I was. was. At the time, actually, I worked myself. It was just when the internet was starting to develop. And University of Pacific had a great server system. Wow. So we were able to set up a website for either ourselves or the station or whatever we needed or wanted and and accomplish that. And so at the time, I kind of doubled it up with one for the station, still coding with just Wow. The old-fashioned, we're using ANSI graphics and stuff like that. Cool. But did one for the station and then set one up for myself, studying the works of Dvorak, because oh, yeah. I had been intrigued by the fact that he spent time in Iowa. Of course. So I got to talk about him while I was in California, and actually became a bit of an expert for a while on uh, the life and times of Antonin Dvorak in Spillville. That's so cool. What yeah. a cool story. Um, yeah, and of course, that piece of history is fascinating, right? Oh, I mean, like, it does. And how it's, he landed here. I mean, the whole part of it is, is Yeah, just... well, I lived in Monona for a while, and the railroad tracks that ran by my house were the same railroad tracks that carried him from... Uh, from uh, Marquette to Calmer uh, is wow. where he got off and then went by a wagon to Spillville. Sure. Yeah. Amazing to think about in, see, in, yeah. that, in that area. And of course, a piece of history that is somewhat appreciated locally, but like really has a much larger you know, piece of his story. Um, fascinating. So as we, we talk about this, you know, at some point you obviously still had the Iowa connection pretty close to heart um, or at least in your mind, right? You can never get rid of it. Right. You, you can't. Right. Was there a moment or something, uh, what pulled you back towards Iowa? 9-11. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That and the fact that things were getting so crowded out there. I yeah. bought a house. You lived it. through a really, that's an interesting era to have been there. I was later, of course, and a lot of it had already happened. I mean, it was booming. Uh, I was in the North Bay, but it was booming when I was there, and now it's only more. Um it's really interesting, but that would have been a fascinating period of time to have been there. You really watched it happen. And actually, well, participated in it as well. Sure. Um, bought sure. a house in 83 that was uh, 1.2 miles from Lodi. And yeah. when it was sold, it was uh, 0.6 miles from Lodi. Oh, wow. Wow. And it didn't move. <laughs> right. <laughs> didn't move the house. That's wild. Um, so those moments, uh, you know, 9-11, everyone has their own story of where they were and what they were doing. I happened to be on tour. 
I was uh, on the East Coast when it happened. It was a crazy moment in time. You were on the West Coast, but that was one of the things that helped you see kind of the direction back to Iowa. I was actually on the air when it happened. Oh, wow. Um, a listener called and said, you better turn on the TV. There's something oh going on in oh New my, York. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I'm doing morning drive at a smooth jazz station. Oh. Uh, K, uh, KRBR, the river. And wow. I had a suit on him, Benji, that I don't like to admit, so <laughs> I may want you to beep this out. But the only way I could get the job was by accepting, accepting the suit on him. Less stress. This is such a good, I love <laughs> this part of your story. Yeah, good morning, Modesto. Oh this is less God. stress. I love it. <laughs> but Thank goodness we don't have any smooth jazz. Yeah. We have to reinstate your... It just, uh, there was a culmination of things. A lot of people, and I was tired of it. Time to move on. Understood. Northeast Iowa, where'd you land when you got back to Iowa? First, uh, Monona. I I took a job with Ion Exchange. I was doing their uh, tech work for a while, website and catalog and whatnot. I mean, you mentioned this sort of briefly sliding by it, but in the meantime, you had like totally dove into the web. Oh, yeah. You you learned coding. (laughs) Like, this is not like a minor part of the... (laughs) And <laughs> a few skills picked up along the way. It, it essentially, just because I enjoyed it, I right. It, it was a new field to me, and I, I dove yeah. right into it. You bet. Yeah, I love it. Uh, but you're here in Northeast Iowa, and and somehow uh, radio works its way back into your world, right? Yeah, I was jonesing for radio, and uh, that thing at KPVO worked out. So uh, that's amazing. as it happens, I was there during the the raid which at yeah. the time was the largest raid ever in the United States. When you started in 2006 at KPVL? Or seven? Somewhere, in there? somewhere mid, around there. Mid-2000s, yeah. yeah. So you were there blur. pre-raid. Yeah. Uh, in Postville, of course, a fascinating small town. Aaron, my wife, uh, founder of Inspire, grew up in, in outside of Postville, went to high school there, uh, all through school, and sort of lived through some of that world. Um, a fascinating small rural town. Really. It is, and, and uh, very much prior to... What happened with the meat plant? Yes, very much a microcosm of what Iowa was. Yeah, right. And then that that sudden influx of diversity really yes really threw a wrench yeah. in the works. So, agriprocessors, a very large meat processing plant. If people aren't familiar, in two thousand eight was the site of what at the time was the largest uh, ICE uh, immigration raid in history uh, of the U.S. Uh, a major raid um, that uh, arrested hundreds of people, uh, that ripped apart tons of four hundred and sixteen, if I recall. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you happened to be in the hot seat <laughs> when the raid happened at the community radio station, right? It, it, right. As so many things that happened with me in my life, it just seemed to organically start to grow, and yeah. I discovered that there there really was not a lot of I don't want to say the truth, but there wasn't a lot of shall we say unbiased things <laughs> coming out of Postville for the media. Yeah, right. And so that role kind of fell on me yeah. through my own my own machinations. But absolutely, somebody had to do it. Yeah, because there were things going on that just should not be sliding. Right, and what was amazing is because of the level, uh, the national sort of visibility of that raid and the size of it, um, there were groups and influxes of people into Postville as well, trying to help out with yeah. the situation. Right, which so, I mean, you, God you bless also him became for that. yeah, and you became kind of a, a one of the focal points, right, amongst the churches, the media, whatever, of, of places that could kind of connect dots. Right, at the night, I. I think it was when the plant closed down and everybody was stranded they didn't know what they were going to do we actually became kind of a well we did we 
the community center, we kind of took it over and, and turned it into a, a place where people could come for answers and, yeah. and leave notes and get food and blankets and middle of the winter, freezing cold, no gas money. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty hectic for a while. But, you know, I, with all things that go like that, there's good behind it. My wife, Mary. Yes, came in through Catholic Charities. This is what I was going to mention. It's, that's an amazing tie, <laughs> yeah, right? And, and Catholic Charities came into the picture of one of the groups that came in to try and help provide some resources, and here comes someone. <laughs> Had it not been for what was going on, I never would have met her. That's amazing. Uh, so Mary, you're now longtime wife, uh, and of course met me. Yeah, 14 years, just last month. That's awesome. Love it. Uh, you guys settled down after that, all kind of settled down, Dorchester-ish, right? Yeah, um, Mary would like me probably to say Hanover. Ah, oh, yes. So, uh, it, <laughs> fair enough. I love it, uh, but in the country, you guys had a nice, a nice yeah. spot. She had a a farm that uh, she had actually moved on to with her husband Don, um, nineteen eighty three. Wow. And uh, organic, and they worked hard. You know, as with most farms, they made it through the farm crisis. Yeah. So that was a big deal. Absolutely. Um, but they had a hoop house and, you know, a lot of things I kind of aspired to the, in my early years, yeah. wanting to get out and roam around, you know, right. was, was gardening and making your own food and eating your own food. So, you know, Mary came with, with that um, beautiful location out on Bear Creek Drive before it wow. was paved. And, um, yeah, we settled in. The CSA was hard work. I did, I did a quarter acre, Benji. By hand. Oh, man. I didn't use any gas-powered tools on that. I did it for three years. Wow. Um, I can barely keep my garden in one piece, and it's about an 8 by 8 plot. It was <laughs> good work. Charge. It was good work out there. The summers didn't seem as brutal at that time, but oh, yeah. maybe that's just a little advancing age. I don't right. know. <laughs> a lot of good adventures uh, yeah. you guys had, and we're going to work into the second half of the show here and talk about some more adventures that came your way uh, and what the work is you've, you've focused on in the last couple of years here. Uh, it's Rhymes with Decora, Jeff Abbas, my guest today. Uh, you can read about him in the summer 2023 issue of Inspired or at iloveinspired.com, uh, a community builder profile written by Sarah Friedel Putnam. We're going to talk a little more when we come back about a slightly different topic. And uh, thanks for being here, Jeff. We'll be right back. Thanks, Benji. This is Erin Henning-Nichols, founder and editor-in-chief of Inspired Magazine. Rhymes with Decor is brought to you by Inspired Media, bringing you positive news since 2007. Find us on stands across the Driftless, or check out our new website, or become a member at iloveinspired.com. Creating stories about communities you love by people you trust. Thanks for being inspired. In the voice of Erin Henning-Nichols, the creator and founder of Inspired Media, Inspired Magazine... Find us all online or across the region on stands. Thank you for your support and being here as uh, part of the adventure. My guest today, Mr. Jeff Abbas. I'm so happy to have you here, Jeff. It's fun to have this conversation. It's great to have you on microphone and uh, hear that golden voice. Absolutely. I have to tell you, it feels good to be here. It's been a while <laughs> since I've sat behind a, a windscreen. Right. Uh, now, the other part of the story we're here to talk about is something really fun. 
I've only touched on sort of uh, geographical uh, or uh, uh, pieces of our regional history a couple times in this show. One of them was on the story of the impact crater. Uh, but yours ties in really nicely to this theme and some amazing, amazing images, that theme of photography coming back through your life on the subject of agates. Agates, here we are. I love it. Uh, tell me more. Where did you find your love for rocks? Uh, four years old, living in Cedar Falls. My dad had just come from uh, Ackley. Dad and mom came from Ackley. He'd gotten out of the service there. And we were living on Madison Street. And the neighbor across the street, kid about nine years old. Um, but I idolized him because I, he got to do so many things. And, and he was smart. And he talked to me. And he came over one afternoon. And he says, hey, let's go down and look for agates. So they were building new homes down the subdivision, and they were using pea gravel to fill in along the, the basement walls. So we looked for agates that day when I was four years old. That would be 1958, man. Um, <laughs> that's where it started, and it never Love stopped. That. Love that. Uh, and something, of course, you know, throughout your travels, different parts of the country, different rocks, a lot of places. <laughs> it it has been an adventure, to say the least. One of my favorites, if I could just note one real quick. Absolutely. Last time pre-COVID, my wife and I went on a vacation out west. We chanced by a sign on the highway that said, uh, trilobite mine. Oh. And I had a sign pointing that way. So I figured, well, what the heck? I turned around, we took it, and it said, trilobite mine. Nine miles. It was nine miles of butt bumping, dirty, <laughs> hard gravel, twisty, turny road, and I loved every minute of right? it. Right? We got You're back there. Somewhere good. Yeah, we got back there, and that's exactly what it was. You could break apart the shale in these deposits and pick out your own trilobites. Wow. It was amazing. But there's spots like that all over the country. Iowa has one. We had in Affet's not far from here, uh -huh. uh, Rockford fossil park yes that's world-class collecting over there and it's right within our reach and our grasp but wow. every ravine and every riverbed around here offers yeah. something yeah yeah there's so many parts of this story we need to tell i i just have to say too i think uh our daughter roxy's um you know going on 11 but and through her her young years here one of my favorite things has to been to take her out and just poke around right and we've actually met people even as easy as just below either of the bridges and decor on the rock piles just yeah. limes down just go poke around find fossils and stuff um but occasionally i would try to take her with me trout fishing as well and she's never quite picked up that bug but uh, what we would find ourselves doing, I'd take her out and drag her into a stream somewhere. But, you know, an hour later, we'd just be staring at the ground, picking through rocks, <laughs> looking for cool stuff, there, you know, that. and it's the best part of the whole day. You know, it's like that was that was the best part. Um, but we do live in a really rich area for this. Now, you are working at a level that is way beyond picking picking for rocks. It is. It uh, is a bit beyond. It's really yeah. cool. There's there's sort of two parts to this story, I think, that we need to tell and share. The first is the work that you're doing, but then also the community that you've shared it in uh and i think those are really both important points but i think the i think the work itself is interesting let's talk a little bit about agates because i think you know people might know what they are they've seen one or they've seen them polished on a piece of jewelry or they've seen them in a shop or somewhere but uh if you go out in the field what are you looking for and what are they <laughs> they are specifically they are lake superior agates and the reason they are here, but not here, mm -hmm. we don't have agates in the in the driftless area because yeah. the glaciers didn't bring them. Yes. Um, 
the reason they're here, though, is through central Iowa and along the Mississippi is because of the glaciers and the way the Mississippi formed at the end of the Ice Age. And I found that fascinating to begin with, that these things have traveled down that far, and they're exactly the same. In fact, there are some studies that pinpoint the things that are found in this area to within a two or three mile radius of up where they're found up there. Wow. So each one has a has a different look and a different, I don't want to say appeal, but a, yeah, it is an appeal to me. There's the banded ones everybody knows. Those are the standard concentrically right. banded Lake Superior agates. But yep. there are tube agates and eye agates and and cloud banks and water levels and mosaics. And cool. the world opens up when you start to look at the other Lake Superior agates. Yeah. Which is the name of the book of the author that inspired me to go deeper, John D. Marshall. Okay, awesome. And he details all the different things about all the different agates and only side mentions the concentrically banded ones. Cool. Fascinating subject. Nobody knows how they were formed. Right. Lots of theories, but nothing, there's never been a consensus. Yeah. And also fun to mention, I mean, this is something we touched on in the uh, in the crater story as well, that I mean, like agates were formed, you know, like a billion and a half years ago, roughly. I mean, maybe a billion to two billion years ago. It's like half the age of the planet. Some uh, go back <laughs> as far as 3.6, which is darn, well, that's almost half a billion years close to the beginning. Right. Right. And and that's just incredible to think about because when we look at things, and especially in our region, when we look at limestone, we look at other things, a lot of things are not that old, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. like we're looking at different periods of geography, geology, I mean, just like really interesting uh, uh, things and creations, right? If you want to make a quick comparison, the rock that we have in this area that composes our bluffs and everything, and a Lake Superior agate I might be holding in my hand, well, the agate is... 72 million times older than the rock we have around here. Sorry, I had to quick to figure that out. No, that's amazing. It's really funny. It's, it's not funny. It's an amazing thing to think about. And, of course, the draw to these agates and the rocks is, is the, the amazing, amazing intricacies. Uh, particular, if you pick one up, you may or may not see it right away, right? You might see some beautiful colors. You might see something interesting. But to really see the intricacies, you got to go deeper, right? You, you really do. You have to get into the ag. Tell us um, about that process. What does that entail? I had been interested in getting a closer look at agates for a long time. So the first time I tried it, I laid them on a flatbed scanner. Uh-huh. And that didn't work badly. Um, but I couldn't get a lot of depth. I couldn't get the focus I wanted, yada, yada, yada. So eventually I stepped up to a stereo boom microscope with a 14 megapixel high speed camera cool and i can go into the agate now <laughs> um sometimes i'm amazed at how much they can resemble a cosmos when you look at the oh, wow. entire face under magnification but then within that cosmos just like our universe there are even more cosmos it's wow yeah yeah. yeah and the fact I'm, that the formation of them, I mean, obviously it was a, a geologic process, but like nobody, we don't really understand how they came to be in their no. colors, their banding. I mean, colors just, and know. banding, we understand a little bit of that. The colors sure. are due to the mineral solutions that seeped into the cavity in the basalt in which the agate was formed. Okay, sure. Yeah. And 
formation that's where things get a little murky yeah nobody nobody knows so the other part of this story is you have dove into this uh with i would say a great uh amount of energy at this Mm. point of course uh the pandemic gave a lot of time for people to dive into different things and that was maybe a moment to to give a little extra push into this. it was uh, a big moment for that yeah yeah which is super cool um but of course you had kind of been interested in this you've been collecting pieces from here and there finding them you know uh but you began to share your work really during that time too, right? And this, I think, is a really fun piece of your story. It's part of what Sarah tells in the Community Builder piece that's in the summer issue as well. Um, but sort of a community that you, well, created uh, online. I think, should we tell that story? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. We take all the things that I started becoming interested in when I was four yeah. and then bring them up to present day. And it's an amalgam of, of all of that together. And... Let me preface this by saying this is due mostly to Facebook. It's due entirely yeah. to Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I both loathe and despise <laughs> and and all the bad words you can think of. But I also love Facebook. I, yeah. I, I need it for, for a lot of what I do. So yeah, absolutely. There is that conundrum. Yep. Um, step back 2015 when I was at the height of my political angst. Yeah. Yes. I've been posting every day on comment forums and yada, yada, and it was just eating me alive. And I was going out in the morning with my first cup of coffee, and I'd take a photograph of something little, you know, uh, maybe a bug on a leaf or a flower or a dewdrop, and I'd come back in and I'd process that photo, and then I'd realize I was feeling better. So before long, that turned into three or four photos and five or six photos, and I was feeling better most of the morning, and I hadn't been on a comment board. I hadn't looked at the news. I was feeling real. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> so it hit me. I got in touch with a friend of mine over by Lansing, and I said, hey, I got this idea. I'm going outside in the morning with my first cup of coffee, and I'm shooting a macro and posting it. I want to start a group called Morning Coffee Shots, all about the photos you take with your first morning coffee. Love that. And he said, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So he had a bunch of friends from Marshalltown. I had all my old cronies from Northeast Iowa and California invited a few of them. And it just kind of snowballed from there. It's a simple thing. Yeah. I did it because it took me off of politics for the most part. Yeah. Which I needed badly. Yep. So sharing that, there are two rules. Um, No politics. And the second rule is just obey all rules, (laughs) which I blatantly stole from the Andy Griffith show. But... (laughs) Love that. I think part of what I love about this, part of what I think is so it makes it such a great part of the, the community builder feature as well is just that it truly you did help build a community out of out of not out of nothing, but you built a new community of people out of something. Uh, and also, I agree with you. I've had a lot of ups and downs with Facebook. I'm currently have removed myself <laughs> for my own sake. Uh, but it is a tool and particularly through the pandemic, it was a tool that connected people in any way you can find to connect people across a common theme, um, to just be people, to talk, to share an interest, I think is so valuable, Yeah. right? And in today's world, I think that's what we need more than anything, right? It's just for people to communicate again, to talk to each other, to be at a a base level with a common interest with something. I mean, that's what it's about, right? Um, But what was super cool about that is you were sharing amazing photos. All of a sudden, other people are sharing amazing photos and it just spurs conversation. You know, it just totally takes you into a new realm, a new thing. You're talking to people from across the country. It's just such a really, really cool thing. It is. Um, 
the willingness to share those little things that we experience every day, the willingness of people to do that in a forum like Facebook, I know is, is a leap of faith for a lot of folks. But at Morning Coffee, we are essentially very, very comfortable with each other. We josh and, and, and yeah. kid around, you know, but we, after a while, you really feel like you begin to know people. Yeah. And so Peg yeah. Fenders out of Pine Island, Minnesota, coined a term a couple of years ago, unmet friends and like that that's what we are for the most part is unmet friends um that's a great term artists poets bakers home canning experts right it just runs the gamut and everybody gets along it's a fun place yeah so what's really cool about this is kind of works dual dual parts into your story. I mean, this community was building um, through the pandemic. We have hundreds of members. You guys started with every, just people you knew, and it turned into, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, right? I think between the two of us, Gary and I probably invited about two dozen people. Yeah. <laughs> and it's up over 750 and, now. Yeah. And I was I was a member. I probably still am if I click back in. But like I... No, you're not. It, I checked this morning. Okay, I'm out. But I... <laughs> If I reinstated my, my dues, but, uh, I was for quite a while. And I remember through the pandemic too, it was really just a fun, fun group to see. I mean, it was everybody from my neighbor, John down the street to people I had no idea, of course, on the West coast or somewhere else. And that was the beauty of it. And a way of staying in touch. Yeah, absolutely. And just those, those things, which are not little, but are kind of little things that, that help people feel connected. Um, so through this, you're sharing your photography. You're also starting to share, uh, some of your agate photography, right? I mean, like going in on some of these things and, yep. and, uh, from that kind of spurred, you know, as you're working on your things, a whole other body of work, right? I mean, you now have an incredible body of work of, uh, agate. Uh, what was the word you used the word with Sarah? Um, uh, it was so good. I got to look it up again about the sort of the study of agates. Uh, oh, I call myself an agatographer. Yes, thank you. Okay, there you go. That's the one. Now, I may be the country's only self-proclaimed agatographer. I think that's even better. But I wear that with pride. <laughs> that body of work has spawned some other things. A calendar, for one, that I've had hanging on my wall all year. It's beautiful. Uh, I love those images. Um, but also your own body of work, uh, potentially a book project. Yeah, I'm uh, roughing out the outline as we speak. Um, It's going to be, uh, again, going back to John Marshall, my inspiration, it's going to be along the lines of his book, looking at the other Lake Superior agates, but I'm going to take it deeper. I have the advent of microphotography, and it's an incredible help. I'll probably even throw in a little insight as to what I think my theories might be. Yeah. uh, Love that. And such a cool idea. But again, like just a way that you're able to share this work that is really um, just a passion, the culmination of so many things in your life, right? We had lunch with my high school English teacher who now resides in Phoenix. She was in Bremer County last week. Oh, my God. We had lunch with her and she told me, she looked me in the eye and she says, you know what? I always knew that there was a few of you guys in the class that would do something special. But she says, I've never been able to pin you down because you just go from passion to passion to passion to passion. I do jump in with both feet. Absolutely. I love it. Well, and that's, you know, there's some magic in that, right? There is. There is. It's it's a fantastic thing. Jeff, I love it. Jeff Abbas, uh, if somebody wants to see more of these pictures, these images, where's the best place to check this out, some of the work that you're doing? I have a group of my own called uh, Lake Superior Rocks and Minerals on Facebook. That's, as I say, that's one I, 
I do myself, and a couple of folks helped me. Leon Harold out of Sumner, who owns Rolling Stone Rock Shop, is awesome. one of them. And Chris Wagner, a good friend down in uh, down by Dubuque yeah. or Davenport, rather. Um, the other places, if I could put in a plug for it, is another Facebook group called Lake Superior Agate Life. Oh, awesome! And that's four that's words. Fun. Yeah, that's a bunch of good people and. Uh, Got a great admin team. It's all friendly. Uh, questions are answered readily by a lot of folks. So Nice. I will try and link to those in the show notes, too, if I can find cool. both those. That's awesome. Just a really, really cool hobby. Not beyond a hobby, a passion, something yeah. you're doing in, in great depth, but a hobby that people could. It's very accessible. Right? It and is. This is yeah. not, I mean, not to the depth you're doing it, but like to, to get interest in this or gain knowledge or show your kids what an agate is, like what that means, just the, the history of it, the pieces. The first thing to do is is find something that will help you identify what's in your local area. If you'd like to know some good references for that, just go ahead and log on to either one of my groups and I'll let you know. Love that. Love it. Jeff, thank you for taking time. To Benji, it was pure D pleasure. I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough. It's so fun to have you on microphone here and talking with you. We could, we could go, I think, another hour. For the <laughs> sake of listeners, we'll wrap it up. Maybe we'll get you in for another show one of these days. <laughs> Thanks for taking time. Thanks for everything you do to help uh, build community here in Northeast Iowa. We really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to Rhymes with Decora, a podcast project of Inspired Media. Find us online at iloveinspired.com. Over 40 shows. You can also find those at decora.fun. If you've enjoyed the music on today's show, it is the work of Mr. Nick Zielinski. Nick is a decoran. He's a drummer. Find him online at Indicative of Drumming or IndicativeofDrumming.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Rhymes with Decora. Rhymes with Decora is a project of Inspired Media. Find us online at iloveinspired.com.